Welcome back to Ariva Martin in real time. I'm Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin today. As every cop knows, one person is responsible for Brian's death, and that's the person carrying a loaded illegal gun and decided to run from the police. Every cop knows that, and every New Yorker should know that. Those are the words of former Commissioner James O'Neill, who was talking about a uh, officer named Brian Mulkeen who had been killed in the line of duty. I'm joined now by Mike Hayes, a freelance reporter and author. And um, Mike, very powerful story you've written in ProPublica. Uh, I, I wanted to have you on to talk about this, and, and eventually I want to get to your book as well. But just um, can you just walk us through what happened that night, or what at, at first what they what the NYPD said happened? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me on, Avi. It's great to talk to you. Um, so this goes back to 2019, uh, night in September uh, in the Bronx, New York. Uh, Officer Mulkeen was working uh, with a unit of cops that specialized in uh, finding illegal guns and getting them off the street. And uh, shortly after midnight, they stopped a man in a housing project by the name of Antonio Williams, uh, Mr. Williams had an illegal handgun on him. Uh, so when uh, the officers identified themselves as the police, uh, he took off running and Officer Mulkeen and uh, one of his colleagues took off after him. Uh, uh, Officer Mulkeen eventually caught up to uh, Antonio, took him down to the ground and a struggle in, ensued. And it appeared uh to Officer Mulkeen and and uh, another officer on the scene that uh, Mr. Williams was going for the gun in his waistband. Uh, so Officer Mulkeen pulled out his firearm and, and shot the suspect five times, killing him. Um, but at the same time, uh, several other officers who were in the area uh, responded to a radio call about the chase and uh, when they arrived, they fired towards the two men wrestling on the ground um, from a distance of about 60 to 70 feet away. And uh, uh, one of the bullets that was fired hit Officer Mulkeen in the head uh, and he died that night. And um, uh, the NYPD, uh, it, wa it wasn't until the next day that the NYPD came out and and uh, admitted that what had happened was uh an incident of, uh, as it's commonly known, friendly fire had occurred, and that's how Officer Mulkeen died. So, can you talk about the the statements that officers made initially, and how they were how they were um, proven false by the uh, the body cam footage that the officers were wearing that night? Sure. So. Um, uh, initially what happened here, um, and this is kind of the early days of the NYPD's body camera program, but, um, they did put out a, uh, edited compilation of body camera footage from five of the officers, um, who were part of this incident that night. Um, and they put that out a couple months after it happened. Um, and, uh, it's, it's about, and 13 minutes of footage on YouTube, a couple minutes from, from each officer. Um, but it doesn't tell the whole story, uh, at all. It's, it's, it's heavily edited. Um, most of it is, is silent and you don't get a great, uh, 
picture of, of what happened to Officer Malkin um, from looking at, at, at that footage. Um, and that was sort of the initial storytelling that the, that the NYPD did uh, in the months after this tragic event. And then um, eventually, about a, a year later, they, they quietly um, closed the case uh, it was investigated um, by a group called the Force Investigation Division, which is a uh, uh, a special in, uh, unit within NYPD's internal affairs uh, that looks at all incidents where uh, officers at the NYPD um, fire their weapons or or uh, kill somebody in the line of duty. Um, so they look at arguably the most serious use of force cases uh, in the department. Um, so they did their investigation. They actually spent, uh, I think I just misspoke, they spent about two years doing that investigation um, and then just kind of quietly uh, found no wrongdoing um, by the officers. And uh, it wasn't until last week when we published our story with ProPublica that um, New Yorkers and anyone else interested uh got a chance to kind of hear the full story of, of what happened that night. And so what is the full story? Because you, you said that they heavily edited that footage, which to me, what's the point of body cam footage? If you can just edit whatever parts you want and publish those like a mixtape, just have, just have whatever parts of the, you can, you might as well not be wearing the, the body camera footage. If you can just take out the parts that make you look bad. So, well, how are how are they able to do that? Did did they represent that the footage had been edited? So uh, they 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 didn't um, make it sound quite as exciting as you uh, just did there, uh, Avi, calling it a mixtape. But that's uh, essentially uh, what they did here. Is um, uh, I've been calling it a compilation of footage um but what they to answer your question there directly what they what they said um was that what they were putting out there was showing all the quote relevant parts of the video um uh you know they they felt in their opinion that um you know the the uh minutes after the shooting and 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 some cases with some of the officers, but uh, immediate seconds after the shooting uh, apparently weren't relevant for people to see um, uh, when they decided to put out uh, what what they made public. Um, and, you know, fortunately, uh, for the purposes of telling our story at ProPublica, we were able to get our hands on um, the full, uh, complete body camera footage from that night, which, um, uh, showed some pretty harrowing stuff. So ProPublica is a top notch outlet that investigates abuses of power. Uh, ProPublica has really just blew the lid off of Clarence Thomas and his abuses of power and, and just done a really good job on, on many really important stories. And, and now including this one, how did you and uh, and you're you're a freelance journalist, but how did you at you and your uh, the people you're working with at ProPublica get your hands on this footage, or even know that there was more footage to to be had? Yeah, so um, 
Uh, I have been interested in this particular unit at the NYPD, um, the Force Investigation Division, um, going back a couple years now. Um, when since I was working on my book, I wrote about another um, case that they investigated: a man named Anto- uh, um, Miguel Antonio uh, Richards, who was killed in the Bronx in 2017, and that. Um, incident was also captured on on body camera. That was actually the first fatal uh, police shooting in New York um, captured on on officer body camera. Um, so ever ever since I I um, got interested in this part of the NYPD's internal affairs operation, uh, I've been putting public re- records requests in um, uh, for various. Uh, cases that I just knew about um, a little bit in the media. And um, uh, this was one that the, the killing of Officer Mulkeen was was one uh, that was, you know, top of mind when I was thinking about which cases to uh, request the records for, because um, he did his death did get a considerable amount of media coverage uh, when it happened. Although, uh, <laughs> as we've been talking about, um, uh, at the time, the, the media wasn't really able to dig too deep into um, the actual uh, uh, events of the shooting. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, the uh, uh, the short story is I, I got it all through um, uh, FOIL requests or at least um, parts of it. Um, uh, the NYPD actually denied my request for um the key elements that allowed us to tell this story in ProPublica, the, the uh, those being the, the the full body camera footage, uh, as well as the audio of the officers' interviews um, that they did with internal investigators. Uh, when I requested that material, they said that giving it to me uh, would have been a, a, a violated the officers' privacy. Um, fortunately, I was able to um, get that stuff uh, from a source anyway. Um, but it's very interesting that they uh, uh, denied me um, the opportunity, the, the police department that is, denied me the opportunity to just get this stuff through uh, my public records requests. Yeah, and, and kind of a little sidebar there. That's, that's really interesting. How are they able to deny you, deny the public records request when it's, it's material that is part of the, is supposed to be part of the public records, right? Well, uh, uh, in my opinion, yes, it's supposed to be a uh, part of the public record, but that's not just my opinion, actually. Um, in two right. other cases, um, prior to writing about the killing of Officer Mulkeen, uh, when I requested all of the um, internal investigation materials, including the complete body camera um footage and the audio of the officer interviews, I was able to get it through public records requests from the department. Um, the first case being uh, that case I mentioned that I wrote about for my book, The Killing of uh, Miguel Richards, um, as well as another case that we wrote about for ProPublica recently in the last couple months, um, the the death of uh, a man named uh, Kowalski Trawick, who was shot while he was uh, cooking dinner in his apartment. Um, I, I will say that uh, um, while I was going through the process of getting um, the records, uh, get it, trying to ascertain the video and the audio um, uh, in the Officer Mulkeen shooting, that story did come out. Um, uh, revealing problems with the internal investigation into the killing of 
Kowalski Trawick. So I, I can't say that uh, publishing that material, which did not make the department look particularly good, uh, I can't say for sure that it influenced uh, their decision to deny me the records in this case. Um, uh, but I thought the timing was interesting. Uh, interesting to say the least. I mean, isn't is that as a journalist, is that a red flag for you when you make a public records act request for something that is supposed to be granted to you? And then they say, actually, no, we're, we don't want to give that to you. Does that give you even more curiosity and, and kind of get your spidey sense tingling that, you know what, I'm on the right path here. If they're not giving me what I'm asking for, that means that I really need to see what I'm asking for. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I should say none of this, uh, being denied, being delayed, um, any sort of, uh, hurdle, um, that, that happened while trying to get those records. It's just, uh, it, it's just part of the job it just comes with the territory. Um, uh, you know, I'm never, I, 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 I remain undaunted by, by those, uh, sorts of, of roadblocks. Um, uh, if, if anything, it's just, uh, like you said, it does just get me more motivated to, to, to try to fight for this stuff, to, to, um, you know, shine some sunlight on, on, uh, what should be made publicly available. Journalism is absolutely a, a thankless profession. It's so much work, so much work behind the scenes. You work for months on the story, you know, for, you know, for the story to finally be published. And then and now lately, the last few years, uh, real credible journalists are, are getting trashed by by, you know, mostly people on the right. And it's really sad to see. But um, I want to talk a little bit more about this about this case. And so. The body cam footage proves that not everything went down the way the officers said it went down. Right. And so why, why did that slide in the investigation? Uh, and, and this is, this is an internal investigation, correct? And is this, so basically, is this a case of officers investigating themselves? And so they basically just didn't want to get themselves in trouble. Yes. Yeah, so just to, to give you the full context um, again, this is the um, force investigation division that we're talking about at the NYPD and they came into, they were established in 2015 uh, by uh, former NYPD commissioner, Bill Bratton. Um, after Eric Garner was killed uh, in 2014, he ushered in a series of, of reforms um, uh, as he was being pressured by the public um, to uh, to bring changes to the NYPD after um, Officer Daniel Pantaleo, uh, form, now former Officer Daniel Pantaleo, uh, killed Eric Garner with a chokehold, and everybody across the world um, saw that on video. Um, so this is one of the things he did. Uh, uh, Commissioner Bratton was established the Force Investigation Division. Uh, basically, what he said was he was going to um, set up this uh, elite group of internal investigators and they their purview would be the most serious, like I was saying before, the most serious cases at the department. Anytime an officer uh, fires their gun, they also investigate anytime an officer um, commits suicide um, and, and other serious uses of force like uh, chokeholds and, and things like that. So this is really 
supposed to be the elite of the elite when it comes to uh, internal investigators. Um, it's interesting, uh, you know, talking to you guys out in LA um, because this was actually an idea that Bratton brought over uh, from something that he did um, when he was running the LAPD. Um, they have the uh, force investigation division um, inside their department as well. I have no idea how well it's going or, or not going, but I, I just know that um, uh, it's, it exists. So, yeah. So, and, 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 and what we've started to find by getting our hands on, on some of these, some of their internal investigation records, which is um, what I had in this, in this case um, is we're finding that the, the, you know, supposedly elite investigators um, within the NYPD, they just aren't asking hard questions and, and also aren't digging into um, uh, utilizing uh, the new technology to their advantages. They now have um, body-worn camera uh, footage for all these incidents. Um, they can... Uh, uh, you know, get a point of view on video of what happened. Um, but in some cases, they're just ignoring what they see and not asking officers about it. So the the, the most egregious example of that in this case is um, uh, after those officers fired their weapons from about 70 feet away uh, towards Officer Mulkeen and a suspect uh, literally wrestling on the ground. They were fire firing, you know, from uh, 20 yards away at uh, two people rolling around, uh, one of which was their their colleague. Um, two other officers uh, who were um, had gotten up close uh, to that wrestling match um, and were themselves in the line of fire. As soon as those shots rang out from... from uh, uh, a sidewalk uh, about 60 feet away, they start yelling, stop shooting um, repeatedly, stop shooting, stop shooting to their um, fellow officers. Um, one of the officers, um, he actually, you see him on camera, jump back um, uh, naturally, right? Because <laughs> bullets were flying in his direction uh, and, and he yells, stop shooting. So this was some of the um, footage that the, I should say that the NYPD did not release when they released their um, their mixtape of footage. Um, but even more uh, glaring here, when it got to the point where investigators were um, interviewing the officers um, who were involved, they never asked them about those commands. Um, Let me pause uh, they, you right there. Let me pause you right there. Um, Mike, we're up against a. a uh, news, uh, sports and traffic update, and I want to. I want you to finish that thought um, when we come forward, because now, now we're now we're getting down to it. You know, uh, the Forest Investigative Division. I want to. I want to get more into who they are. They just regular officers, but I want to. I want to hear uh, that point you're making when we come forward right here on KBLA Talk 1580. And we're back on Reva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard in for Reva Martin tonight, and we are talking to Mike Hayes freelance journalist and also the author of The Secret Files, Bill de Blasio, the NYPD, and The Broken Promises of Police Reform. But Mike, you were in the middle of, of getting to, to the part that uh, officers or uh, the NYPD uh, intentionally removed from their mixtape. And, um, and, and you said something also, 
in, in near the beginning of this conversation that there was no audio in, in any of the tape they released, correct? Uh, there was um, some audio and some of uh, what they put out there. Um, it's it's kind of a funny thing the way these uh, body cameras seem to work that officers uh, are using. They when they when they hit record um, on their camera, um, it records uh, for thirty seconds to a minute in silence. Um, I'm not going to be able to explain to you uh, why that's the case with the technology, but um, what can happen and did happen in this case is if you start recording um, as something bad is about to happen um, and, and the most, uh, you know, the, the most tragic part of the incident happens in, in that, that first 30 to 60 second window, uh, then it happens in silence. Um, uh, so yeah, so we, um, uh, in, in this particular case, a lot of the, um, because w what happened here is the officers, um, who arrived on the scene and, and shot from about 70 feet away, um, and, and, and hit officer Mulkeen in the head. Uh, they arrived on the scene, hopped out of their car, um, ran, uh, you know, 20, 30 feet or ran, uh, I'm not sure how far they ran, but they only ran for a matter of seconds before they, um, pulled their guns out and started shooting. And that was, um, in some officers cases, right in the beginning of when they were recording the incident. So that happened, uh, in silence. And yeah, so a lot of what the NYPD put out on their YouTube channel, um, happened to be, um, from those first few seconds and happened to be silent. So you have officers shooting at Officer Brian Mulkeen, while he's on the ground wrestling with Antonio Williams, the both of them are on the ground together uh, in the same spot, essentially, and they're being fired upon by NYPD officers. And those officers are also firing on other officers who are kind of chasing down the action. Right. And so and you said one of those officers kind of stops because he can can either hear and or feel the bullets whizzing by him so my, my question is why would the officer I, I know that they ended up shooting brian mokeen in the head and so why would the officers want to protect the officers who the other officers who were clearly being reckless and in addition to the worst thing that i guess any of them would probably want to do which was kill a colleague obviously endangering a citizen who ultimately did die as well uh, at the hands of Brian Mulkeen. So why, why would they, why are, are Brian Mulkeen's colleagues trying to protect the colleagues who are responsible for this? Well, I don't know that it's so much that they're trying to uh, protect their, their colleagues. Um, it, I think it's more of a case and this is, um, might sound kind of strange. It's still, it is strange to me. They're just not being asked the right questions by the internal investigators in these cases. Uh, give you an example. I was talking before we went to the break about one of the officers um, or, or two of the officers who were up close um, to Officer Mulkey. When he got shot, they um, yelled to their colleagues who were shooting from 60 feet away, stop shooting. Um, 
Uh, but they were never asked about that in their interview. And one, one of the officers was asked, um, after the shooting stopped, did you say anything? And he said, no. And the investigators had all this footage. They, they know for a fact that yes, he did say something. He said, stop shooting. But they never pressed him on that. They just moved on to the next question, um, which was uh, hadn't had nothing to do with with any sort of uh, commands that he, um, he was giving to to his his colleagues. So it's just. Um, well, let me follow uh, up with you. Mike. Let me follow yeah. up with you because you said that you're not you're not sure if if they're protecting him. They're just asking the wrong questions, but asking the wrong questions intentionally. Uh, it can be an intentional thing. It can be an intentional choice as an interviewer, which questions you ask, which you know will have the higher potential to be incriminating and questions that you're not going to ask. You know, you, you can throw softball questions at someone who is in some serious trouble if you're trying to protect them. So, uh, you know, obviously motive is a difficult thing to determine. But I mean, if I'm interviewing someone, if I, if you and me, Mike, are colleagues, right, uh, and we're both police officers and and you're, you know, um, you're involved in officer involved shooting. I can say, so, um, did you, do you think that the, the guy, did, did you think the guy had a gun? Sure. Um, did you fear for your life? Sure. And those are gonna be the only questions I ask you. And then I don't have to ask you any of the other details. And I'm not saying, obviously I'm, this is a hypothetical example. I'm not saying which questions that they did ask specifically, but as you said, they weren't asking the right ones. And so is, is that potentially why, uh, is, is, was that potentially was that intentional on their part, perhaps, uh, uh, in, in an attempt to to protect their fellow officers? I mean, this is this is the for, the force investigative division, and who are who are these investigators? Are they just regular officers? Are are they are they are they someone from outside of the force? So they're um, they're all officers. They're all officers. Um who have at least made the rank of, of detective. Um, and in some cases, uh, the supervisors in the group are ranked even higher than that, sergeant, lieutenant, deputy chief, etc. So these are um, seasoned investigators at the NYPD um, who are supposed to have um, the experience to be able to go out and, and gather all the facts. And I would really encourage all your listeners to go to ProPublica and check out our story because um, uh, we were able to piece together what I think is a really great video um, that includes a lot of this never before released footage that I've been talking about, as well as um, uh, audio from the officer's interviews. And you really get this weird feeling um it, it's honestly the 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 best way i can describe it it's it's just weird listening to these um kind of formulaic uh unemotional uninterested um interviews where one thing that really struck me was anytime an officer gave an interview um the head of fid uh by uh an officer by the name of kevin maloney who's the um uh, was the head of, of the force investigation division and conducted a lot of these interviews. Um, he would get an answer from these officers and the next word out of his mouth would be okay. 
And then like I, I was talking about before, no follow-up. No, are you sure that's what happened? Because we have on video, you actually did say um, something after the shots were fired. You said, stop shooting. Why did you say, say stop shooting to your fellow officers? Instead of asking that follow-up question, he just goes, okay. Another really glaring example in the story that we, that we um, talk about is uh, two of the officers – um, there were three total who fired from about 70 feet away at Officer Mulkeen, um, and the Bronx DA's office concluded that one of those three officers is, in fact, the officer that shot him in the head. Um, two of those officers said they were much closer when they were asked how close they were. Um, they estimated they were about uh, uh, 20 to 30 feet away, which um, that's a big difference, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, between 60 to 70 feet and, and 20 feet away, especially when you're talking about somebody um, trying to uh, aim a firearm and, and hit a target. Um, and again, uh, when they got, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying before, um, it all happened within seconds of them getting out of their, getting out of their car. Um, and, but uh, yet again, when, when that, uh, came up in the interview when they asked, you know, how far away were you? I was 20 feet away. Um, and the officers, uh, the investigators, um, they have the correct information. They were actually out there the night of the shooting, um, uh, working with the, with the crime scene, scene team, uh, to determine the actual distance that these officers shot from. So they know they shot from three times that distance compared to the answer that they just gave in the interview. Mm -hmm. And they never asked them, <laughs> they never correct them. Uh, they never, and never ask them if they want to correct their answer. It's just, um, that not sound, doesn't that sound intentional? That, that sounds like it has to be intentional. You know, I, I, I put very detailed questions, Avi, about all this stuff to the NYPD. Um, and they never got back to me about it. Um, uh, I would love to, uh, to, to, to hear from them. Um, we requested, uh, an interview with the, uh, with the head of, of the unit who conducted these interviews to try to get him to explain, um, you know, what was going on here and they, and they wouldn't engage. Of course they wouldn't. So Kevin Maloney is, is the man who was doing this a lot of these uh, interviews and that just sounds like a Gotham city villain. It sounds like someone I've never heard anything about Kevin Maloney before this conversation with you, Mike, but that sounds like someone who is a corrupt Gotham city police officer. That just, that's just what it sounds like. To, it rhymes with Carmine Falcone. I mean, I just, listen, I, I, I'm just, I'm just talking about what it sounds like to me. I, I have no basis in fact on that other than he obviously intentionally and, and uh, in my opinion this is not you saying this this is me intentionally let his fellow officers off the hook um before we move on to your book though mike is there anything else about your reporting uh in the story or anything that you learned since that we haven't mentioned that you wanted to mention yeah i mean well uh i'll just end with um the thought that this this story is not over um officer mulkeen's family uh, has filed a, a wrongful death lawsuit against the city of New York and the department. Um, their, their, uh, 
lawsuit has been on hold in part because these internal investigations have taken so long. But this family, they initially um, came out and were uh, very thankful and and appreciative um, of the department. And and you mentioned uh, at the at the beginning of, of the segment, you quoted uh, what uh, the former police commissioner said at uh, the during his eulogy at Ryan's funeral. Um, so they uh, have since um, done a complete 180 and now are, are suing for uh, uh, they have a wrongful death lawsuit against the department. And they they accuse um, the officers that were working with Brian that night of, of acting, you know, egregiously, uh, reckless and irresponsible. So I'm very interested to, to see what happens with that case. Wildly reckless, unbelievably reckless. They're running shoot while they're shooting from 70 feet away at one of their own officers as he's wrestling with the suspect. I mean, try throwing a spoon into the sink from 10 feet away as you're running. And you might be able to do it, maybe not. It seems like a much harder task. Try, try hitting a target while you're standing still with a gun from thirty feet away. Try hitting with, without anything impeding, without any movement. And you're talking about you're running, and the target is moving, and one of the target, uh, part of the target is connected to the target rather, is a fellow officer, and you're shooting at him. That is crazy. It is unbelievably wild, and I can't believe that 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 they have been protecting these officers for this long. But one, well, actually one last question for you on this. Um, can we tell from the tape if Antonio Williams actually was reaching for his gun? Is that something that, you, that we can see on the, on the, on ProPublica's review of the tape? So that um, the initial struggle uh, between officer Mulkeen and Antonio Williams on the ground where you hear um both Officer Mulkeen and another officer uh, who had who had um, gotten close to uh, Mr. Williams, they both scream, "He's reaching! He's reaching!" Or at least one of them is screaming, "He's reaching!" Um, and uh, but you can't really tell whether or not he's got his hand on his gun. Okay. Um, at that time, we do know that um, after everything happened. Uh, Mr. Williams's gun kind of ended up on the ground uh, beside him. So presumably it had at some point come out of his waistband, but um, never seen, never seen that. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell um, what Antonio Williams was, was, uh, was doing during, during that scuffle he had before he was killed. Yeah, in light of not only um, this uh, instance and the, their lack of um, lack of any desire to get toward the, the actual truth, in addition to the past several hundred years, I'm gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna take them saying he's reaching as the fact that he's actually reaching. You know what I mean? So, um, but I could I, also I, add that um, he his family has a has a lawsuit as well, um, and the and the um, the central point in their lawsuit uh has to do with um uh the officers choosing to stop him that night and and they say um they said in the um internal investigation after the fact that he appeared nervous 
and wide-eyed, um, and that's why they decided to uh, drive up to where he was standing with another person um, and, and try to talk to him initially. Um, and the Williams family uh, disputes that that was that they had good reason to stop him that night. So I should say I'm also very interested to see how that case plays out uh, in court as well. Absolutely. When we come forward, Mike, I want to ask you about your book right here on KBLA Talk 1580. It's Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin today. And I've uh, been having a, a very enlightening conversation with Mike Hayes, freelance journalist and author of The Secret Files, Bill de Blasio, the NYPD, and The Broken Promises of Police Reform. So, Mike, can you please uh, tell us about that book? Yeah, thank, thanks for giving me an opportunity to, to plug the book here. So um, the book is a, a deep dive investigation into the uh, NYPD's uh, disciplinary system. Um uh, which has been uh, corrupt and not working particularly well for for decades. Um, however, the book focuses on uh, what I think is a particularly interesting period of time, that being uh, the tenure of uh, Bill de Blasio as mayor of New York. Uh, he was a, a, a progressive politician who came into power um, claiming that he was going to clean things up and make the NYPD more accountable uh, to the people in New York and really make it a model for the rest of the country for how you could um, uh, uh, hold cops accountable um, and, and, and still um, do good policing in your community. Um, unfortunately, uh, that's not re really happened uh, during the de Blasio years. He incurred, uh, you know, uh, had to deal with a, a number of challenges along the way. Um, uh, but that doesn't change the fact that, um, uh, as my book, uh, kind of focuses on, um, uh, the families of people who, uh, had their loved ones killed by police and fought for years, uh, to try to get justice for them. And, uh, you know, in the end that didn't really happen. Um, uh, but I think the, uh, uh, the book's great for anyone who, who, who cares about, uh, the issue of police accountability and really wants to dig into kind of, um, the politics and, and, and the, uh, inner workings of this in a major, uh, American city. Well, that sounds great, Mike. And, uh, we have about 30 seconds. So where can we get the book from? Uh, you can get it anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon, uh, your local bookstore. Uh, it's available uh, from Penguin Random House. And yeah, it's called uh, The Secret Files. The Secret Files are literally a, a couple thousand uh, secret uh, NYPD disciplinary records that I got my hands on. So uh, there's a good tale about that in the book. Hope some people go out and grab it. All right, freelance journalist and author of The Secret Files, Bill de Blasio, the NYPD, and the Broken Promises of Police Reform. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. Thanks for having me. Ariva Martin will be right back in this seat tomorrow night. Not this seat because I'm at home, but she'll be in a seat on your radio and on your screen right here on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Avi Bernard and I am gone.